Welcome to P3 Radio. The monkey only dances as good as the guy grinding the organ handle. Brada, brada, brada. I fly, bro. That is never stopping. Truck goes to the white. <laughs> cool story, bro. Footy pajamas. Hey, genius. It's, three, it's 2 p.m. Central. PG3 Radio. Nope. Here's your host, Josh Friday. Get him off big, Freddy. Get him off big. Richard Mulligan. And as I put you down, my pants ripped. <laughs> it's showtime! It's showtime! It's showtime! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of P3 Radio. We want to say a special happy Veterans Day to all of our veterans out there listening to us. Thank you for listening to P3 Radio, and thank you for what you've done for our country. It is Veterans Day here at P3 Radio. I'm Richard Mulliken, joined by my co-host and best friend, Jackson's favorite son, the one, the only, Josh Briley. Say hey, Josh. Well, I am Mrs. Ray's favorite son, but Richard, how are you doing, my man? I am doing great. Like I said, it is Veterans Day here when this comes out. <laughs> Happy Veterans and, Day. And Thank uh, you for your service, Richard. And we've got a big show lined up for you this week. A little bit later on, we're going to be joined by none other than the man that voiced our childhood, Dave Brown. And I'm excited to talk to him here today, Josh, on P3 Radio. This has been a long time coming. Yeah, and what a way to get back into interviewing people than with Dave Brown. I mean, it's a dream come true in my view. It's, like you said, the voice of our childhood, and it's somebody that, I just really never thought that we would get to talk to because, you know, he's just, yeah, right, right. he's like a superhero to, well, in I mean, my eyes. You looked it up with me earlier. He doesn't do interviews. Like he's only done a couple of interviews since he retired and he's only done a few podcasts. So it's been pretty cool to have, you know, to have him say, yes, you know, we have to say a big shout out to, uh, Ramona, who helped us get this interview. Indeed. Uh, Thank you so much, Ramona. <laughs> it meant we, so much to us. We uh, we actually did a um, an email one year ago to try to get him, and, and I don't know if he ever looked at that email or not, but we ended up finding a workaround and got a hold of him, and thanks to Ramona, we got a hold of him, and he he's, he's going to be on here in a little while, and uh, I can't wait, man. But I tell you, I'm sitting here. Halfway wanting to cough, Josh. I, I just started back on this couch to 5K. Have you ever done that? Uh, it depends on what you're talking about. Couch <laughs> to 5K? It isn't like somebody come home early and you have to run off the couch. <laughs> uh, well, no, I, I was thinking I've sat on the couch for the duration of a 5K, but I, I, I didn't know what you meant. No, I. Uh, it's, it's a program that gradually takes you uh, on a running path. So, like, you'll run every, like, minute 30 and then you'll you know walk for two minutes now is this like minute a, 30 walk for two minutes is this like an app or something yeah it, it'll tell you start running stop running walk start running you know and it's um designed to take you from just sitting on the couch all day to then by the end of it you're running three point is it 3.1 miles? So it's like your own personal Sergeant Craig the Pitbull fan. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Although it should be meaner. You know, you know, you know, we grew up. You got at least five more. Right, right. Come on. Come on, fatty. Get to, get to moving. <laughs> uh, that's what I feel like, man. I, like, But I'm wearing my um, my watch, my smartwatch that like, tracks my heart rate and everything. What kind you got? It's just an Amazon watch. Like Amazon, Amazbit. It's it's. An Amazon brand watch. Oh, okay. It's a smart watch. It's not like <laughs> I bought it from Amazon. Uh, I did buy it from Amazon, but it wasn't. I thought like you were talking about you bought it from the Amazon. I didn't, yeah, from, except from the sound I of bought it. Bought it I on YouTube. I've, I've never heard of it. No. Um. So I was looking at it, and I apparently it shows you calories too. Because at one point I was running and really struggling today, and I looked down and I was like. 195. <laughs> like, I thought my heart rate was up. I was like, I'm about to die. <laughs> I'm getting too old to be at 195. Uh, it is depressing when you go to the gym, though, and you see that, like, heart rate calculator, and you see where you were, like, 10 years ago, and where, you know, like, now that would be pretty much stroke level <laughs> for you. Like, as you get older, your heart rate's not supposed to go up that high. So. Right. Uh, but no, man, everything on me is sore. Um, my legs are sore. My back is sore. 
but better sore than rent. I was going to say, as long as it's not rent, then you're good. I, I You didn't look like you were in any kind of pain, no. in any kind of agony. Um, no complaints from you other than the sore muscles and getting up them stairs to do this show. <laughs> but I'm happy you're taking the initiative. I only wish I had the drive that you do well, to get that app and maybe apply it to my life. It's only three days a week. I get it, but I'm just so lazy sometimes <laughs> after work. I, I work hard, man. Yeah, I know. You know I, just... I, I, and I'm just I'm so ready to get home and sit on that couch, and I guess uh, I'm just going to put up with the pot belly unless I want to change. I'll be honest with you, man. It's um, it's all about diet. That's all it is. Your Your whole body shape is about diet. And the better the food you put into it, I mean – I've seen people lose weight without having to exercise before. It's totally natural. I mean, it's not totally, well, it's totally natural. It can totally be done. It's just, man, sometimes a, I don't know, do they still sell big and tasties? No, but they do sell the Reese's flavored cupcakes. <laughs> Only at my work have I ever seen them. Right. Them things are like, uh, they're, they're kryptonite to my, my well-being. Right. But man, they are like gold to my taste buds. Right. Oh, my I, I mean, God. I mean, back when I was younger, you get a big and tasty for a dollar. And we're talking like a big burger with cheese and mayonnaise. And, and you know, ketchup. when you're young, you're poor. Yeah. Because five bucks, if you don't have a job yet, you know, you're kind of in that age to where, well, I'm kind of relying on mom or yeah. dad. You go and get five of them things Roll and eat four, them. In a, four tax and everything <laughs> included. You can only get four for five dollars. But you would eat them in a sitting. Right, right. You'd eat them in one sitting because that was lunch and dinner. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, and it's way cheaper if you go price things out, you know, I can get ice cream for $2 or I can get a thing of grapes for four fifty, <laughs> right. and the ice cream is probably going to last me longer. So it's like, yeah, it's, so it's just about making smart choices. But I'll tell you what, Josh, another smart choice would be if you're looking to buy concert tickets, say you're looking to go to a sporting event, say WWE's coming to town. How are you going to get there? Well, we suggest you get there by going to ScoreBig. ScoreBig is the online leading retail provider for sports, concert, family events. They're going to get your seat, and they're going to get it to you at a great price, absolutely covered. Now, is this all secure? It's all. That's what I was just about to say. It's all secure, absolutely covered, 100% transaction guaranteed ticket sales from ScoreBig.com. And to get to ScoreBig.com, please visit them. By going to our website, tinyurl.com slash p3events, tinyurl.com slash p3events, T-I-N-Y-U-R-L dot com slash, that's just the slash, don't write out slash, S-L-A-S, no, don't write that out, just slash, p3events, all one word. Get over there and buy your tickets now from scorebig.com by using our link, tinyurl.com slash p3events. Welcome back to P3 Radio. Right now, Josh, we have someone on the phone with us that I am, as my grandmother would say, tickled pink to talk to. Uh, he is a guy that we grew up watching. He's the basically the voice of our childhood from wrestling to news to weather. He was there more than some of our family members we saw him. Uh, and we are honored to have Mr. Dave Brown. Dave, thank you for doing P3 Radio right now. Oh, glad to be with you guys today, Richard. Josh, uh, looking forward to it. We are, like I said, absolutely excited. That is no, uh, that is no slight. What I'm saying here, we honestly saw you more than some of our family members. I have great uncles and uncles that I never saw. Uh, heck, my biological father, I didn't see as much as I saw you because you were just there. You were a staple in our lives, and I tell you, we're we're more nervous right now than we have been. And we we've interviewed an Olympic gold medalist, and we're nervous oh. right now talking to Mr. Brown. Indeed, we <laughs> oh are. my goodness, it's, uh, you're you're very kind. Yes, I had a great career. I did uh, 54 years in broadcasting altogether, radio and television, and uh, 35 of those years I co-hosted the wrestling show. 25 of them I co-hosted with my my, uh, my super great friend, Lance Russell. Yeah, now speaking of uh, Lance Russell and championship wrestling, uh, we have some mutual friends, and we were, uh, we were talking to one of our mutual friends who hosts the CW Wrestling Show uh, Championship Wrestling, Dustin Starr, and he found out we were going to be talking with you, and he said, ask Dave about Pro Shingle. 
<laughs> well, Approach Ingalls, a client that I have right now. Even though I'm 99% retired, uh, I still do a few things here and there. And uh, so Approach Ingalls approached, and uh, they're a good company. I checked them out. So I'm the spokesperson for Pro Shingle. So if you need a roof, I recommend you contact them. Yeah, I think Pro Shingle does a lot of work with championship wrestling. They're one of their main sponsors. But one thing I do That's have... I do have to ask you this, uh, you know, I talked to you earlier today and I said, you know, I was in the wrestling business for about 10 years and I always got this question. So I thought it would be appropriate to ask you, uh, what family and friends that would see me, they'd say, what got you into all that wrestling? I'd hear that a lot in the South. And I said, what do you mean? So what I would want to know was what got you into the wrestling business? Well, it, it was, uh, it wasn't accidental, but uh, it wasn't the wrestling itself that got me into it. Uh, let me tell you what happened. I, I was uh, a DJ uh, playing rock and roll records on one of the biggest radio stations in the country at the time, WHBQ Radio in Memphis. And one Saturday afternoon, I happened to be working, and Lance uh, came in after he finished the wrestling show. And he, he always called me Davey. He said, uh, Davey, he said, uh, Dale, who was his co-host at the time, is uh, leaving. He's taking another job close to his hometown, and I need somebody to help me out on Saturdays on the wrestling show. He said, uh, I don't know how you feel about wrestling, whether you love it, hate it, or indifferent to it, but let me tell you this, if you ever think you might want to work in television, you should take this job, and you'll find out two things. You'll find out if you like television, and you'll find out if television likes you, because a lot of people would like to be on television, and it just doesn't work for some reason. So I thought about it, uh, didn't think about it a real long time, but I, I gave it some thought, and I decided, yeah, this is, uh, this is something that I should do. So uh, the next Saturday... I was uh, sitting in the chair. This was in January of 1967. Uh, that, that next Saturday, I was sitting in the chair next to Lance Russell, who was, I cannot say enough good things about Lance Russell. He, uh, he was a great mentor. Uh, at, at different times in our lives, he was a co-worker. He was a mentor. He was a boss. Um, he was a partner. And uh, the, through the whole thing, uh, we were great lifelong friends who never had a bad word between us in all the years that we knew each other. And uh, he, he brought me along. He said, look, he said, just jump in there when you feel like it. Don't press. He said, you can sit here the whole hour and not say a word. He said, I hope you won't do that. But you can <laughs> if, if you're comfortable with that. Just make yourself comfortable and come along and... and Long. Well, it was great advice. He was an incredible teacher. And as uh, everybody listening knows, in my mind, he is the greatest wrestling commentator in the history of television wrestling. And that's saying a lot because there are a lot of really good wrestling commentators. Indeed. Are there any wrestlers in particular that you just absolutely love doing segments or interviews with more so than others, like Handsome Jimmy? Yeah, well, Handsome Jimmy, you just all you had to say is Handsome Jimmy Bay, and he was off and running. So you didn't you, you didn't have to ask a lot of questions. The only thing we had to do with Handsome Jimmy is just to make sure that we got the plugs in for Monday Night Wrestling, uh, which is of course where the money was made. Money wasn't made on television on Saturdays. The money was made on Monday night uh, with the ticket sales at the Mid South Coliseum. So we had to make sure those plugs got in so that the fans would want to go see those matches, but. With Jimmy, as I recall, that was never a problem. He was uh, he was fantastic. The interesting thing about Jimmy too, uh, Jimmy was totally different off camera than what you saw on camera. On camera, he would come out, you know, this crazy wild man dancing and and uh, and uh, shaking and all of that sort of stuff. But you go back in the dressing room and Jackie uh, and and uh, Jimmy is sitting there uh, just very quietly and you know reading poetry or something. <laughs> He's just very quiet, very mild mannered guy. And I liked him a lot, still do to this day. That's usually what you hear about Handsome Jimmy. And the first time one of my relatives told me about that, I was just, I was in shock because of, like you say, he was just wild and extremely out of control at times you gotta on be, TV. You got to be, you got to think it's hard to hold that persona. That was an over the top persona. You got to think it's hard to hold that all day. It'd be like smiling all day. Oh, well, yeah, but, you know. <laughs> I think I think he I think the quiet person is who Jimmy really is, and uh, he was just able to turn on that personality for for the wrestling interviews and and for uh, what he needed to do for the job, and he was 
I, I thought he was absolutely uh, terrific at it. Now, when you got started in the in, in what was the territory days, I mean, Memphis was its own yep. territory back in the day. Now, when you got started, wrestling wasn't like it is now. It was a very closed circuit, and it was hard to get into. Did you did you witness anybody trying to be a little bit you know harder for you to get in when you came in? Did anybody try to protect the business a little bit, not let you in, or did you find it was a very open business once you were introduced to the guys? Well, I, d- I didn't have to come in that way too much. If Lance Russell said, this is the guy that's going to co-host the show with me, then that was all there was to it. There was no problem. Of course, at the time, the Memphis Territory was run by Nick Goulas and Roy Welts. They were based out of Nashville. Roy, though, was originally from Yorkville, Tennessee, in West Tennessee. So he had a, had a great West Tennessee connection. But uh, Goulas and Welts ran uh, virtually all the state of Tennessee, um, and uh, northern Alabama, uh, central Kentucky, and even in Evansville, Indiana. So it was a huge territory that uh, they were running. And uh, no, we never never had any problem. Uh, never had any problem getting into it. But yes, it was a very tightly controlled. Uh, the Florida territory didn't step on the Tennessee territory. But what they did, like Eddie Graham in the Florida territory, uh, he would loan wrestlers to Tennessee. And if we had guys who had been wrestling for weeks and weeks and weeks, and the crowd went, ah, I don't care to see them. I've already seen them six times. <laughs> then they would go to Florida for a while. And you know. We would we would swap talent like that, but we did not tread on each other's territory when it came to uh, oh I think I'll run in Tallahassee next week. Well, no, you won't, uh, <laughs> because that's Eddie Graham's territory. So yeah, it was a very closed thing in those days. Well, you mentioned Nick Goulas, um, and I'm assuming you were there when Jarrett left Goulas, right? Yep, I uh, I was there. Uh, we were at Channel 13. And uh, it was 1977, and Jerry Jarrett uh, uh, had – the way Jerry tells the story much better than I do, but according to Jerry, uh, uh, pretty much quoting him, Nick uh, messed him around. He thought he had bought part of the company, and then Nick one day said, you don't own the company. You What you bought is an option to buy part of the company, and those options have expired. So he just took Jerry's money, and he, Jerry didn't get anything out of it. Well, Jerry said, hey, uh, this this ain't going to fly. So he got with most of the guys, all of the guys, actually, and most of them did agree that they wanted to work for Jerry, not for Nick. So they formed this uh, this new wrestling company, and uh, uh, all of the guys, all the big guys, except Tojo Yamamoto and Jackie Fargo, went with Jerry Jarrett and Jerry Lawler. Jerry had Jerry, Jerry Jarrett had Jerry Lawler, and he was the big draw in the territory at the time. So it was pretty obvious, uh, given the talent that Jerry Jarrett was able to take with him, that that was going to be the successful promotion. And of course it was. And not too long after that, uh, Tojo and uh, and uh, uh, Jackie Fargo joined Jerry Jarrett, too. Now, what happened there uh, was also interesting. We were at uh, WHBQ Channel 13 in Memphis, and at the ABC affiliate. And uh, Lance went to his boss and said, look, he said, uh, we need to go with this new company and, and forget this old company. And so they said, well, that's where the talent is. That's what we need to do. Well, the lawyers in New York in the home office got a hold of that. And they said, you can't do that. They'll sue the heck out of you and you'll lose. So it, Lance says, well, what do we do? We don't, we don't want a losing show on the air. And they said, just cancel the whole thing. So that's what happened. And that's how it ended up. Lawler approached Channel 5, WMC in Memphis, and it became even more successful there uh, than it was at Channel 13. Now, I know you were in the back a lot when they were putting these shows together and everything. Did you ever try your hand at helping format the shows and book the shows, or was you just happy to be announcing on the shows? I did not. I did not interfere with the booking at all. That was not my job. Um, And early on, when I first started doing the show, I didn't go to the pre-show meetings. I didn't want to because I wanted to react the way a fan would react um, when I was on the air. Now, of course, later I had to, so I I attended all the uh, pre-production meetings and all of that sort of thing. But uh, it it uh, it was not something even even when I was in, in the whole meeting. 
from start to finish, the only time I would uh, make any suggestions at all as to what was going to happen on the show is if they would try to do something that I felt put the station in jeopardy, uh, I would say, no, you cannot do that. I was kind of the liaison for the television station, and uh, we we had to keep the very valuable broadcast license uh, more than we had to keep a wrestling show. So I was able to veto a few things like that, but it was very, very rare that I ever had to do that. I feel like you're looking at my notes here, Mr. Brown. That was my next question. Did you ever want to know the outcomes or not? Uh, because there was a lot of announcers that said they, they really do like to react to what they see. So I tell you what, since you answered that, we'll skip on to the next one. Uh, Brian Christopher was a really good friend of ours uh, before he passed away last year. Uh, he actually did our show a couple couple months before he passed away, uh, and he talked a lot, and we did a memorial show for him here on P3 Radio. Uh, but wondered if you had any memories working with Brian. I know you were involved in that uh, one where he had the. We talked to him about it, where he had the scale and uh, the little red wagon, the little red wagon, and everything like that. Do you have any memories? Good memories of working with Brian? Oh yeah, a lot of them. Uh, he, uh, Brian was <laughs> Brian was uh, always coming up with stuff like that. The little red wagon full of belts, and uh, you know, I, I thought that was hilarious, uh, and uh, just all sorts of things like that. Of course, he came out with pure energy. He he was a, he was kind of a modified handsy Jim, handsome Jimmy Valiant. Come out uh, with with all this energy the studio and uh, you could feel the energy level go up when he came out for interviews or for a wrestling match um, I, uh, I'm i trying to think there there were I'm sure a lot of uh, individual things that I remember <laughs> about Brian and, and the various matches but the main thing of course I, I'd known Brian since before he got into the wrestling business and when uh, he had his first match uh, and Jerry said, no, he said, I'm not, I'm not going to, not going to let him go, uh, big time yet. This was kind of, I think it was wrestling spot shows maybe. And, uh, I remember Eddie Marlin said, Lawler, don't hold him back. He's ready. Well, Jerry gave it more thought and sure enough, next thing you know, Brian Christopher is, uh, dancing out for interviews on Saturday morning. <laughs> is there any, anything that a fan has ever done that just, kind of puts you on edge like uh, i'm a little nervous here i don't know if this is a right. good deal because we talked to bill dundee and we've talked to some of these guys that had to actually fight the fans back in the day back in the 70s and 80s they were fighting their way to the ring and fighting their way back did you ever witness anything that made you a little nervous uh not that i can think of offhand i think that tended to happen more at uh, the live events uh, than it did at the television station. Of course, I wasn't able to go to a lot of live events because I had to be at the television station to do the weather on the 10 o'clock news that night. So only only sometimes was I able to go to the live events. But most of the incidents I heard did occur at, uh, at the live event things. Well, with people like Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone making their return to the announcer's desk, it begs the question, would you ever, ever consider making your way back into the wrestling world? I think the answer to that, and you, you know, you never say never, <laughs> but I will say as close to never as possible. Never. Uh, for one thing, I'm enjoying being retired and not having to be someplace any time for something like that. Um, I, I only do what I want to do mostly uh, and, and do it when I want to do it. Uh, another thing, I, I think we had something very, very special in Memphis wrestling during the 70s and the 80s in particular, and even into the 90s and the Power Pro era. Uh, I look back at some of those shows, and they were darn good television. And I am very, very proud of what we did then, of that body of work. And I don't want to do any Thing to dilute that. I just want to kind of keep that where it is, and uh, not all I've done in recent years is uh, now and now and then uh, when Lance was going to be available in the area. If, if Lance was going to be there, and they asked me, I was always making sure that I was going to be there because I knew that our time with Lance was probably limited. Uh, but other than that, no, I, I don't foresee myself doing uh, doing play by play anymore. Well, you know, you always had a very 
calm demeanor. And like I said, it also played a very big part when we were younger and you did the weather for us. And being from Jackson, Tennessee, you know that we always had bad storms here. And I, I, I remember very vividly uh, right after the 99 tornado, we were getting hit with some really he- heavy storms. And I remember th- that you might have been the only one outside of the Jackson, like immediate Jackson area. You were in Memphis, but outside of Jackson, uh, we had weather channel here we had news channels here and they were covering us almost like a circus and i remember that you were the one covering a storm there was another one coming towards jackson and you looked at it and you said those guys have been through enough hopefully this storm just goes by and passes and you actually comforted a lot of people here and uh, i've always said if i got a chance to tell you that i was going to tell you thank you for that but you've had that calm demeanor and nothing really seemed to bother you on the air uh, but you did talk about power pro. There was an incident on power pro with, and we talked to this about, uh, we talked with this to Del Rios, the spellbinder. We talked to Brian Christopher about it when he was on our show. Um, there was an incident with, uh, Doug Gilbert who came out and said some things off color. We won't bring, we won't repeat them here. Uh, did you know that was going to happen? Because you definitely looked a little shook when he said it. Absolutely, did not know it was going to happen. Doug was uh, Doug. Doug was off the chain at the time. He was uncontrollable and unpredictable. You cannot have. You just you just can't have it. And uh, you know, I banned him from the television station. Peggy, his mother, uh, you know, she she came up there and said, "You got to put him back on TV." I said, "Don't until he does what he's supposed to do and doesn't go out on this wild stuff on his own. He's not going to be on our air." Uh, we also uh, had had an incident where we caught uh, one of the wrestlers was coming in after they were high, oh, wow. and I mean like really high. And uh, I banned him from the air. I, I, I said, "You're not wrestling today, and get off our property. You're not allowed here." Well, our television station license was threatened, right. and Doug didn't realize it, but he could have been threatening our television license at the time. By the way, Doug and I are good friends today. We put that behind us a long, long time ago. But, uh, you know, a couple of things like that did happen. And um, uh, I also remember Scott Bowden. And Scott Bowden uh, kept using a word for a mentally challenged person, and he used it over and over again. And finally, I just shut the interview off and threw him off the air. Uh, He thought he was doing good. He, He thought I was egging him on, but I wasn't. I was telling him the truth that you are not going to use that word, and if you use it one more time, you're out of here. Now, I would do things like that, but again, that was uh, to protect the television station uh, more than anything else. As far as being calm during weather, um, I, I, I never wanted to scare people, and I, I never have been a believer. Those happenings, even to this day, a lot, uh, what I call the cry wolf syndrome. And that is, you know, if I forecast a tornado nine times in a row and there is no tornado anywhere near you, then on the 10th time, you ain't going to believe a thing I say. So uh, that, uh, you know, that is that is something that uh, uh, I, I just didn't 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 want to uh i'm not going to say overly excite people i didn't want to scare people unnecessarily and that was always my approach doing weather now you mentioned keeping the tv station at a nice place there i know there was a big incident that took place with hot stuff eddie gilbert and jerry lawler where lawler got hit by a car and i know there was a lot of real heat on that from like city officials coming out and police cars and stuff like that now was there any heat on the studio for doing that angle where Lawler got hit by the car? No, because it was very controlled and we knew what was going to be happening. Uh, the, <laughs> the problem came in is because our television station parking lot was directly across the street. I mean, it was 150 feet from a big Memphis police precinct. So there were police cars going in and out all the time. So, yeah, the police did show up, but, uh, you know, we got it, got it all under control. Yeah, it, it was a scary thing uh, because, you know, Jerry could have gotten hurt. Uh, and uh, fortunately, he did. But uh, that that uh, that was quite scary. We absolutely appreciate your time, Mr. Brown. Always a pleasure getting to talk to somebody that we idolized and looked up to growing up. Thanks again for being a part of P3 Radio for us. Glad to talk to you guys. Wow, Josh, that was awesome. Talking to Dave Brown here on P3 Radio, that was Really cool of Dave to do that for us. I, I, I still can't believe it, man. We we actually got him on the show. Yeah. I, I, I still can't believe it either. 
<laughs> what are you stuttering for? Are you that nervous and excited that we had Dave on? I am. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was really cool that he did that, man. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of at a loss for words, aren't you? I am. I, it, it still hasn't set in that that we actually had the interview because, like you've said before, he doesn't do many of these. No. And it was like a pipe dream to get him on. Yeah. So, I mean, really cool. Thanks again to Dave Brown for being on with us today. But we've got more show, Josh, and I've got a question for you. What are some things that you did when you were a kid? Uh, that were legal. Little kids. <laughs> well, aside little. from building uh, little M80s with yeah. my dad for beaver dams, um, I'm just joking. My dad <laughs> wasn't a bomb maker. Just want to make that clear. Now, I rode the bike pretending I was Crew Jones or uh, you know played with my skateboard or yeah. wrestling men or something like that. Now, when we were younger, we played little games, and there were certain things that you would do. You would pre- pretend that you were at the World Series, and you'd – be hitting a ball and oh i got a hold of it he hits the home run for the world series he wins it all you know or you'd be playing football and you'd be like oh he won the super bowl or basketball oh the nba championship is all his but you know you 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 would do that in those games but you would play the other games the other games like uh red rover you know there wasn't a red rover championship um i'd try to get it if it was (laughs) i love that game red rover is one of those dodgeball it didn't have but Red Rover is one of those that's way more violent than they ever, ever dodgeball ever thought about being. Uh, but I think they outlawed Red Rover years ago. I wonder why. <laughs> Broken arms and necks, maybe? <laughs> dental, dental bills and everything else. But for the most part, none of the games outside the big three games that you played as kids, the baseball, football, and basketball, none of the games you would think ever went to a pro level, right? None of those little games like hopscotch and stuff like that right surely not no. i cannot imagine there's a hopscotch world championship <laughs> it would be the most boring thing to watch it on. would welcome back to espn3 the national hopscotch championships no. it would have to be on at like 2 a.m yeah <laughs> uh, but i wanted to point this out to you there is a professional tag league josh uh-huh professional tag your favorite childhood game is now a pro sport we're gonna play a little video here for you you think you're a pro at tag these people actually are so they set up kind of like a um, jungle gym type thing with of tables and what yeah looks like a big giant pipeworks thing do you remember those pipeworks that they yeah. sold this looks like they just built a bunch of crap out of that, and they're well, playing tag. Speaking of pipeworks, that's this is what I dreamed of when I saw like, you know, you could buy those life size blocks. This is what I thought you could build with them. Is these big parkour? It's basically parkour, and basically one guy starts off and starts chasing this other guy, and he's got all these obstacles he can run around. It looks really fun. I wouldn't last a minute on any of this. Yeah, stuff. I was sitting here thinking this is fun to watch, but I would last about two seconds. And one of these guys would do a double kick flip over one of them tables <laughs> and would tag me, and that would be it. Throw something at him. <laughs> I can't catch this man. Rip, rip the pipe off and use it as right. a foreign object. Yeah. But, I mean, that that is – it's really cool to see this. I never even knew this existed. And we're talking about on an international level, Josh. Is there any money involved? I don't know. I don't – I think there might be. Uh, well, here, we'll watch another one. This one's called uh, – World Championship Tag Match Two: Eugen versus Ape Apexcape. So must be a team-oriented thing. Yeah, so it's kind of like dodgeball or something. Right. So they start off in this like what thirty by thirty space. You would think. Well, no, maybe forty by forty space. And they're just chasing each other around this area, and he gets tagged, and that's it. It was 7.4 seconds it took him to get I guess tagged. they do like a coin toss to determine who's it. Yeah. But you see, they have world flags there, Josh, or national flags there. It looks like France versus Sweden. And that, that one. This is really cool, though. Like, this is something that I would have strived to be good at <laughs> as a child, you know, to look forward to, right. to competing in. I never would have thought this would be a thing. That makes me wonder if they do have like a Red Rover championship. <laughs> well, naturally, we need to type that in. <laughs> but I mean, I just thought I, I, I ran across this uh, on a random thing. Like I was, you know, at a, at, a, at a location and they were watching this and I'm like, what in the heck is this? And they were like, 
it's a new thing called it's not new it's called national uh world championship tag and i was like world champion and i was like that's pretty cool but it looks like you would have to be very very well in shape and uh you'd have to be good at parkour too like if you're a parkour champion then you're good or at least what one would call in the south a squirrely dude <laughs> I mean, you got to think that whoever wins the the national tag championship is Richard? immediately put on like a a um what I see I see international red rover championship yeah, but on. it's from divine comedy. Yeah, I don't but I there's don't one up under it. All right, but anyways, I think that if you win the national cha- uh, championship of tag or the international championship of tag, you're immediately put on like a police watch list. It's like, well, if this guy ever gets on the loose, we'll never catch him. We can't contain this man. <laughs> Especially if it's in a playground. It'll just look like one of those Benny Hill skits. I don't know, Josh. You, you pick one out if you think that... Well, that, that I see one that says Epic Red Rover, and this is at a school. Yeah. And these are teenagers looking yeah. like it's probably 1999 or something like that. I think it could be pretty interesting. But I also see this one where it's a parody, yeah. Red Rover Challenge on a Road Trip, and these are small children. We don't need to see that. No, any uh, of teenagers get, getting hurt is fine. I think... Okay, <laughs> here we go. Epic Red Rover. All right, so they are at a school. This must have been these, during like a fire drill, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. These kids look older to be like a little old to be playing Red Rover. And she just straight up tackled her. <laughs> so if you've never played Red Rover, the <laughs> the object is you hold hands with your neighbor, and it's a game of like how many people are left standing. You're trying to bust a human chain. Yeah, pretty much. There's so, all the people that didn't want to participate. Right. Sitting on the floor. So you call one of the people in line over, and if they don't bust the human chain, they have to join your chain. If they break the chain, so far nobody's done it so far, but if they break the chain... <laughs> they're they get, all like 18 years old. <laughs> they get to take two people back with them to their chain. So the two people that they broke hands, they get to bring those two people back to the chain. So it's it's up until one person's left standing. And sometimes standing's hard after you run through a, a clothesline. It looks like they're playing kind of nice here, though, Josh. It they really like are. They're doing Irish whips, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, he's busting through. He was running yeah. like the Ultimate Warrior. The trick was at Red Rover was you always you picked the girl that was talked into playing for even teams. <laughs> I know that sounds bad, but it was always the girl like in the back that got hit in the face with the dodgeball. That was just out there because it was like no one got to set out in dodgeball. Um, and she'd always get hit in the face and her glasses would go flying off and everything. But that was the people that you would want to attack in Red Rover. But when those people were gone and you had Bruno that had failed four years in a row out there and, you know, it's like, man, he might be on steroids. Oh, they are. This, this is the, <laughs> this is a volleyball game that I pulled up. It, it says Red Rover tournament, but these people's mascots are the Red Rovers. <laughs> they are the E, <laughs> what is it? What town does it say? It's, well, it's abbreviated E-A-H-S Red Rovers. Yeah. Did you know, speaking of that, that mascot's terrible by the night, by the way, but did you know that What would they're... it be? Like, just like a big fat guy, you know, imagine the, like forming a human chain off I, of the flag I imagine, when I think of a Red Rover, for some reason I think of like the 7-Up spot but like hairier, like <laughs> shaved, like just shaggy. Like, whatever, man. That's a <laughs> shaggy got, bottom. Right I got fired there. by Seven Up, man. Now I'm just out here hanging out by this high school. <laughs> <laughs> he gets fired by Seven Up and turns into the dude from yeah. Big Lebowski. Whatever, man. Oh, man. Um, no, I mean, the worst name, other than, like that, that's up there with bad names for high school mascots. But did you ever hear of the Polka West Virginia's mascot? Polka? Polka oh, West Polka. Polka. Polka, P-O-C-A, Polka. Oh, no. Polka, West Virginia. It's the Polka Dots. Oh, man. Yes. They're the Dots. They're the Dots. (laughs) And it's in, uh, Mick Foley talked about it in his book, and I have a friend that recently moved to West Virginia for work, uh, and when I went up there, you know, Walmart sells these shirts that, you know, they have like their little Southside High School or Northside High School or, 
James Madison High or whatever. <laughs> you know, they always have those shirts. They actually had a polka West Virginia dots like high school shirt. And wow. I wanted to I thought about buying it so bad. <laughs> I bet that area has the largest concentration of homeschooled children. <laughs> Just I don't on the fact be a dot. you don't want to have that class ring. You don't <laughs> want to have that uh you know, you yeah, this is my where's your yearbook, Dad? I don't have one. <laughs> right. <laughs> you were a polka dot? Yeah. God. That had to be awful. Probably Dusty Rhodes' favorite school. Maybe not. With polka dots. Polka dots, daddy. Yeah, with Virginia, baby. All right. So we got one more thing we can talk about before we have to get out of here, Josh. Um, so I got to thinking about this. You know, the 80s movies, when you watch them back, some of them hold up as being kind of cool. Some of them hold up as like, what in the heck's going on here? Like, if you ever just go back and watch, you know, um, Back to the Future. If you ever go back to the past and watch Back to the Future. You know what I'm saying? Like, have I went back to the past? Or? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> go, I couldn't go understand what you were time. saying. No, like, you're going back in time through the art of video. Yeah, so, I love it. So if you ever watch it back, you're like, man, this is a good movie. But then you realize all the things that are wrong. Well, like, oh, my God, what are they doing that? They're doing that now? <laughs> They're doing that in this movie? And you don't really think about it when you're a kid, but you look back on it, you're like, okay, that's not right. You know, especially like movies like Porky's. Oh, my God. It, you yeah. know, uh and just about any 80s movie is going to have something that's just wouldn't hold up in today's world, right? Definitely. The 80s had that kind of feel of it was a, a free type society, but uh, you know, there was a lot of people making a lot of different movies cuz it was the videotape boom, you know. So that you had a lot of different production companies just creating content and a lot of it was really slapstick and uh low brow type stuff you know right a lot of that too you would always see on usa network after 3 a.m so <laughs> <laughs> so i mean they knew what they were doing but there was a lot of movies as well that right. were that were good and not in that light as well well one of my favorite movies as a kid was the movie big Definitely. And I, I, got, I loved it. And I got to thinking about it. And he was like, as a kid, that was just awesome being an adult for a couple of weeks, you know? And, and, and well, heck, let's watch the trailer for a second. Let's break down this, what, what I'm talking about here. <clears throat> we might have... Josh Baskin, life was a little unfair. Now, here's the funny thing. He says, Josh Baskin. I remember when I was a kid going, that's my best friend's name. <laughs> <laughs> there. Why are they yelling at him to take out the garbage in the uh, carnival? He made a little wish. And I love how they didn't even bring up the fact that he was just small for his age. That was all it was. He was just small for his age. But they're like, Josh Baskin has a hard time with life. And that's, take out the trash. What does that have to do with being tall? <laughs> <laughs> I could see if like they were like nagging him about. But you know, you're watching this movie and you're like, okay, this kid wants to be big. All right, cool. Let's see where this goes. And this machine comes on and says, and it grants his wish for those people that wasn't born in the 80s. The machine was unplugged when he checks it. And he goes, that was weird. How did it come on and grant my wish? You know, we're talking about one of these little carnival machines. You A know. Zoltar. A Zoltar machine. So he wishes to be big. And Josh, he gets his wish. He wakes up and he's Tom Hanks. <laughs> 20th Century Fox How would you like to wake up to be Tom Hanks? Uh, well, just no, for a day, you know, just to get access to his ATM and, and all that. <laughs> Trying and, to memorize all his numbers. Four, nine, three, eight, seven, four, nine. Yeah, three, I'm seven. here. I just want to take out all my money of the account. <laughs> Mr. Hanks, you sound weird. <laughs> you like you're over enunciating everything. <laughs> no, I'm sure I'm, I'm Tom Hanks. It's me. <laughs> Tom Hanks. So his mother chased him out of the house. Oh, there we go. And it turned me into a grown-up. So now what? Get a job. Cannot get a job. So not only in the movie does he get a job, he gets like a high important toy representative job in like in like two weeks. <laughs> he moves his he makes his way to the top of the chart in two weeks. Which is Or has it been two weeks? Maybe a week? I mean, I think he just signed up for the job after he got that apartment, or maybe right. I forget which one came first. It's been a long time since I've yeah. seen the movie, but, but it's, it's a, highly it's unlikely. Yeah, yeah. It's like you have no work skills. How would you like to run our toy company? Yeah. 
So your resume is pretty much empty. <laughs> right. Here's the keys to the uh, the warehouse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I play with all of this stuff, and then I tell them what I think. Can they pay you for that? Suckers! Vice president? He's only been here a week. Yeah. <laughs> so he makes vice president of this major toy company, and all he does is he's just a consultant. And like they're like, play with this toy. And he's like, oh, this is no fun. It doesn't do this. Uh, which is every kid's dream, you know what I mean? Really, it was. I mean, if I ever thought, and dude, I'm going to be honest with you. If I could find this gig right now, right, where you just play with toys or whatever and give them your feedback, right, I would quit my job when I went in Monday. <laughs> I'm going to play with toys, I, we'll and I'm later. going to. I'm going to have fun with the rest of my life, and then I'm going to retire, and it'll be great. And then it'd be like. (laughs) (laughs) You too. (laughs) (laughs) No, but then, you know, you know, everything's happy about this for the first minute, right? But I feel like the music is the only thing that makes the back back half of this trailer happy. Because if they were to play like some dark, ominous music on this back part, Look how creepy this would be, Josh. I loved your ideas on the squeezy doll line. Okay, that starts it off. Uh, <laughs> that, that is an adult woman. Yeah, she's every bit of 30 years old. Yeah. And this kid's, what, 12? Yeah, something like that. Maybe 11. Ooh, that's not good. Not good. And it's just all he's done is transform. He's, he's soul jumped pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he... Or, or he's, uh, quantum leaped. He's bloomed into a man overnight, and that's not his body. Yeah, that's not him. So, Thanks. despite all of his... What were you like when you were younger? Go well, that wasn't much different. So... Who are you? I'm his girlfriend. Yeah, even the kid knows. <laughs> even the kid's like, wow. His best, friend, uh, his best friend was like, who are you? And he's talking to this girl, and she's like, I'm his girlfriend. And he like makes his face like, hey, that's a felony. <laughs> but I mean... If the only reason why this is happy and like, oh, that's cheeky fun is is because it's the eighties. It's, it's the music and it's the eighties. But it's just the music. The yeah. music like the dun, 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 yeah. Sesame Street Jazz. Yeah, like I wanna spend the night with you. Do you mean sleep over? Yeah. Okay. But I get to be on top. <laughs> <laughs> what is so special about Basket? He's a grown up. How do I feel about one? How do you feel about me? You're only young once. This is important! I'm your best friend. What's more important than that, huh? (laughs) But for Josh... I miss my family, Susan, and I want to go home. Oh, my God, you're married! (laughs) It just might last a lifetime. But I love how they keep putting the romantic spin on it, Josh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but... You know how uh, creepy this would be? I'm going to tell you something. I'm a, here's, the, here's the hypocrisy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get on my soap. Here's the hypocrisy in Hollywood. Like, how creepy would this be if this was a... The, the genders were reversed, and it was a girl that wished to be bigger, like older, and... Then like Benny Mardones yeah. showed up. <laughs> This movie wouldn't even be made, but the fact that it's a guy, it's like, ah, he's just a little boy. Yeah, he'd be all right. It's like, no, dude, this movie's ending is kind of messed up. (laughs) Let's be honest. Like, she finds out that he's not lying and he wishes on a machine. She goes and finds him, like, oh my God. And then, like, as he's telling her bye, she kisses him. Like, he goes in to kiss her. And at least she, good sense prevails here and she kisses him on the head. Like, oh, I'm sorry. And she kisses him on the head and he gets out of the car and he shrinks in his suit and he's back to being an 11 year old boy again. Is that not the creepiest thing ever though? That is, that is when you, when you, when you think about it, cause, but I guess they couldn't do it the other way where Tom Hanks likes dating like an 11 year old. <laughs> so, I mean, they're really kind of painted themselves in a corner here. I know it's kind of odd to be talking about a movie that's 30 something years old, <laughs> 31 years old, but I mean, let's be honest. There, there was no winning there. If he dated an age-appropriate girl, there no, there's no way they're going to let that go. But just because they both look age-appropriate, it's like, ah, okay, cool. It's they were they were treading on some weird waters. Yeah. but it was one of the most successful movies yeah, yeah. of the '80s. I still quote it to this day. Sometimes if I, I'm working on like a computer or something, and like it won't shut off, and I'm like. 
maybe I should wish to be little again or something. <laughs> Just make I make a reference to it. But man, this this whole thing was odd. <laughs> Especially with that happy jazz in the background. Yeah, well, that was what they were playing on the keyboard when they were jumping on it. The Oh man. I don't know, man. I don't know if what they could have done to made that any less weird though. Yeah, maybe just not have him a love interest. Maybe <laughs> have him struggle in the corporate world and have to clean toilets, have a bad life, right. and then finally and then he get his wish. He wants, yeah, wants to go home. Like being a grown up ain't that great. No, yeah. this man, <laughs> this man was like, well, I'll, all it takes to be a, a successful is just to be grown. I can do it now. <laughs> I don't need college or high school or anything. I've got this. I'll, I'll get the keys to the toy company. There really should have been a life lesson taught here. It's like no. There was no life lesson. It's like, if you just want it bad enough, you can do whatever. I think it was careful what you wish for. But. Yeah. But the better better lesson of careful what you wish for is if he would have been broken in the gutter, like on your death. <laughs> Had to crawl back to right. his old house. <laughs> Please let me back in there. I don't know you, old man. <laughs> he's arrested. And then they come to the cell one day and he's crying as a little boy in there. Like, go get him out. How'd a kid get in here? Why is he wearing such big clothes? His, his handcuffs have shrunk. Or, you know, he's shrunk in the handcuffs. <laughs> Trying to file his way out of the bars. <laughs> Oh man, well, Josh, I I think we've pretty much done it for today. And that's we have gonna, done it. That's going to end episode one eighteen with Dave Brown. We want to say thank you again to Dave for being a part of P three Radio. And Josh, if they want to try to find some more of our episodes, how do they do that? Well, however you're listening to this episode right now, you can go into the archives and find all kind of past episodes, lots of good stuff in there, lots of uh, former wrestlers, current wrestlers, Olympic gold medalists, Super Bowl champions, people galore. Lions, tigers, bears. Oh, my. And if you're on Twitter, you can go to at P3 Radio, the number one. That's our handle. Facebook site site type pop poncho in your search bar you'll find our picture there and if you want to get with us via text message leave a voicemail whatever 24 hours a day we are 731-300-6675 like josh said 24 hours a day you can call that number leave us a voicemail prank call us if you want to we don't care uh that is your p3 radio hotline to get in touch with us 24 7 well, that's going to do it for us. For Josh Briley, this is Richard Mulligan saying thanks for listening and good night.